Well, that's the thing for the book launch, and um, welcome to another book launch. Uh, today, I believe, is the 27th of February, and um, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of things today, not just a novel, but um, Judy Blooms Forever, so let me get over to my chair. Uh, have, try to th have things sort of organized here uh, to uh, make everything sort of fit, right? So um, there's a lot going on right now in our culture. Um, referring to Judy Bloom, there's a documentary called Judy Bloom Forever that I believe has premiered or is going to premiere. There's a fictional, uh, um, sort of fictional dramatic series, I think. It's either a series or a movie coming, I think, to Netflix. Um, based on forever, and there's a lot going on. But I wanted to go back to the, as I am want to do on my podcast, go back to original uh, older sources and my favorite decade, which those of you might know is um, the 70s. So I have this first edition, Forever. See what this says here? It says, Judy Bloom's first book for adults, or so it was um, at that time publicized or touted. Um, got a great picture of Judy Bloom back here, jacket photo from the 70s, that kind of black and white. One of the most popular writers in America today. Um, I have, you know, as you know, I you folks might know that have been following me for uh, uh, a couple of years now, two or three years, um, I have a 70s museum and I, I brought some treats from the museum, but I'm also gonna do some serious, as, as we used to say, and some of us still say, close reading of uh, parts of the novel. And I'm gonna treat it fairly seriously. Although in the case of Judy Bloom, um, I want to emphasize again, as I said in the introductory notes, I think somewhere, I think that, um, I think the secret although it's not a secret, it's transparent because it's on the page, you know, after all, to her longevity and popularity as an author is, as I always say on our podcast, a stylistic matter. It's her prose style. So it's one thing to have, you know, the story. That's, that's nice. That's good. It's another thing to sort of have things you want to represent. In this case, there's a kind of a in 1975, 76, when this came out, there was kind of a, um, it had kind of a, a several purposes. It was to communicate something to younger people about, you know, loss of virginity and, and, and very actually serious matters, right, of love and sex and all that. So there was a kind of almost a health slash um, PSA dimension to it, public service, you know. And yet it's also a, a kind of a wonderful little novel. It's really, it's really kind of a hybrid in a way, which I think is interesting. But let's just start with Judy Bloom. Her first paragraph is, you know, I got to say, I'm not a writing teacher. If I were a writing teacher, in addition to talking about Henry James and Proust, I would put those higher than others, actually. Or I don't know, you know, whoever. I would actually come into class and I would say, look at this first paragraph of Forever. Now, look at this. This is dedicated for Randy. 
Wherever Randy was, forever. Chapter one. Again, this is the greatest first sentence paragraph. I'm going to actually read a lot of this here, if you don't mind. Um, uh, let's just let's just do it. Chapter one. Sybil Davison has a genius IQ and IQ and has been laid by at least six different guys. She told me herself the last time she was visiting her cousin Erica, who is my good friend. Erica says this is because of Sybil's fat problem and her need to feel loved. The getting laid part, that is. The genius IQ, I don't know, is just luck or genes or something. I'm not sure that either explanation is 100% right, but generally Erica is very good at analyzing people. Now, I'm just going to let that sit there because I think like Judy Bloom writing the voice and the, the um, raw, unfiltered expression of this, this girl um, talking about things in her life and the humor. Well, first of all, humor. She, she leads with humor. Getting laid by six different guys, a sassiness kind of a thing, which is really interesting because later in the novel, those moments of um, kind of, um, I would say, uh, I'm trying to put, put the elegiac or idyllic sort of um, kind of reverence and, and, and kind of, it's kind of a, it's got a, it's got a, it's very balanced. So goes on. I don't know Sybil that well since she lives in Summit and we live in Westfield. Erica and I decided to go to her New Year's party at the last minute for two reasons. One, because that's she, when she invited us. And two, we had nothing better to do. Gets better. It turned out to be a fondue party. There were maybe 20 of us sitting on the floor around a low table in Sybil's living room. On the table were a couple of big pots of steaming liquid Swiss cheese and baskets of bread chunks. Each of us had a long two-pronged fork to spear the bread that dip it into the cheese. It tasted pretty good. I had gotten about two bites when this guy, guy said, you got some on your chin. So that's the first page of forever. This is a, um, from a, from a, a, a 1970s sort of, it's from my 70s, I mean, this is a sort of a fondue recipe thing here fondues 25 the betty yeah the betty crocker recipe card library this is from 1975 the year this was written you turn this around there's all kinds of things you could do with fondue honey apricot fondue butterscotch fondue um so i'm I, you know quite quite know how to proceed that's the setting so basically in this novel this main narrator this protagonist Catherine or Kath meets Michael and they fall in love and it's quite serious. And, um, er, you know, Kath's best friend is Erica. And of course the classic conflict in these kinds of matters is, you know, um, not conflict, but uh, it's not quite the word. The two best friends have differing ideals. Catherine is sort of the more, um, I don't try to use my words carefully, the more the romantic, shall we say, and Erica, like your host, is more the realist. And they and they sometimes discuss matters. And there's sort of um there's sort of a um a kind of a you know a back and forth. And I'm trying to get some of this here. Um 
Now, Judy Bloom is writing in a certain context of a milieu, and that milieu is um, is political, and it is um, it's kind of um, you know it's sort of topical to the era, which is um, politically and kind of um, sociologically, it's sort of our bodies ourselves, the Boston Women's Health Health Collective book. Um, Planned Parenthood now. I mean, the, her, the main character's grand, grandmother is, um, well, I'll read it to you. It says here, in January, business slows down and toward the end of the month, my parents go away for a week, usually to Me Mexico. Then my grandparents come to stay with us. They are my mother's parents. My father's are both dead. My grandmother, Haley Gross, once ran for Congress but she lost. She and my grandfather practiced law together in New York. Since grandpa has had a stroke, he hasn't handled any cases, but he still goes to the office every day. My uncle Howard, who is my mother's brother, really runs the show. Grandma is just too busy with politics and Planned Parenthood and now to see many clients. I can't believe she is almost 70 years old. Now, Judy Bloom's sentence structure, like her syntax, is phenomenal in terms of what she's trying to do. It's so, uh, it's a little bit, we were talking about Ozu last week and Ozu's precision in filming shots. Judy Bloom has a precision and, you know, what I would say, simple, sometimes simplistic, um, declarative sentence, subject verb sentences. And part of it is the voice or the point of view of these people, of course. But part of it is a, is a, you know, of course, it's a um, choice of prose, and I I feel that that um, stylistic, um, how do I put it, sort of um, design, right, has made this book makes it popular today. Like I'm the wrong person really to be doing the show in a way. Maybe I don't know. I'm not a I'm not an 18 year old female. I'm a 55 year old middle aged guy writing about this book. And I never read this book when it came out. I read it for the very first time this past two months, which is amazing. I got this. So, but I wanted to, um, so, so there's, a, there's a sort of the, um, the simplicity pared down concise style. And so when she applies that to dialogue, it's very interesting. I'm trying to find a, so much here. Let's, but before we get to dialogue, it's some more interior interiority of the character. She meets Michael. <clears throat> After Michael went home and I was in bed trying to fall asleep, I thought about making love with him. The whole thing, like he said. Would I make noises like my mother? I can always tell when my parents are making love because they shut their bedroom door after they think Jamie and I are asleep. It's hard not to listen. My room is right next to theirs. Sometimes I'll hear them laughing softly and other times my mother will let out these little moans or call Roger, Roger. Even though I know it's natural and I'm glad my parents love each other, I can't help feeling a little embarrassed. What would it be like to be in bed with Michael? Sometimes I want to so much, but other times I'm afraid. Now, that's a passage. Now it's sort of, um. It's it's kind you know I, I remember my um my my episode with Andrew Bajowski and Andrew and I had a discussion of purposes of art. Now he put a lot of emphasis on what he called utility or use, 
And this is like the perfect follow-up to that episode in a way, because Judy Bloom is all about, as a writer, her career is all about, in a way, how, how can I be of use to younger people? Or how I could be of help to younger people or people in a certain age group. And if you really think about it, I mean, again, I don't think that's the only purpose of prose, of course, or writing, but it, it's surely an important purpose or, you know, a good purpose. And I sort of feel like, you know, there's something to that here. I'm going to get take a drink of coffee here. Um, this poster is from the same year this book came out, probably, on this cup. All right. Um, I got some. I got some artifacts here from my '70s museum, and I don't quite know whether to go to those now or jump to some dialogue. Try to jump to some little bit of dialogue here. Uh, maybe one of the scenes where they're talking about, you know, doing it or getting it on. I guess those were the phrases then, or I don't know. Um, um, they have a, they have a, a, a nickname, Mike, uh, Michael, the, the, um, her first boyfriend or yeah. First boyfriend in this novel has a nickname for his, his uh his penis, which is Ralph, and that that's a that's a that's a curiosity throughout this book. He talks about Ralph. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things in this in this novel. You know, um, I don't know. Um, there's some there's so many there's so many um moments. Here we go. This is good good stuff. I'm just gonna jump into a scene here. There, this kind of a love scene, and, and she's, okay, I'm just in medias res, sorry. We kissed again, and Michael held, held me away and said, I wasn't going to touch you tonight just to prove I didn't get you up here only for sex. I'd have been disappointed, I told him. I even wore my best nightgown. Do you like it? It covers too much of you, but it's nice and soft. Now it's kind of like um, I mean I, I get cut that off because it's just two kind of two lines of dialogue, but there's a sort of a scene here. It's sort of um, Judy Bloom getting inside this 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 kind of this kind of thing. I don't want to read. I mean, it's um, I don't want to read too much of this. Um, um, it's um. Well, Erica and Catherine talk too. So for example, Erica will say, there's no school on Friday. We were in the locker room changing into our gym suits. I know, some kind of special teachers meeting. So you want to see a preview of a new Robert Redford picture? Are you kidding? I'd love to. We're taking the 845 train. So it's sort of like things of the era, like we're going to go to the Robert Redford movie, the fondue. There's a mention of, um, there's many mentions in this novel of, um, a very popular commercial poster people would have in their in their bedrooms or living rooms of, of chimpanzees. Do you folks know this this uh, posters like chimpanzees 
um, in, in suits or smoking cigars or I got to figure out what's going on here. Get some. Um, so I brought some, I brought some, um, I brought some um, artifacts. This of course is the joy of sex uh, original edition. Alex comfort. I'm not going to, you know, I don't know what the rules are in terms of um, the rating system on any of these social media sites. So I don't, I don't have to proceed carefully. Um, although there's no, there's no, it's all illustration, but you get something like this. See the art of making love. This is very common. See his beard and mustache. One of the things that people used to talk about, um, used to talk about a lot of this. I can't really, I can't really show. I don't think, um, I don't know. Um, is, you know, because fashions change over the decades. And, um, I remember in the nineties and the two thousand, a lot of people would say, well, what about this weird book that everybody's parents used to have or would have? And it was joy of sex. And everybody was so hairy. They would talk about the hairiness of, of the man and the, you know, excessive maybe facial hair or something and you know i i don't know it's just it's funny this book was it was a big book another book um this is very to the point of judy blooms forever is this well i like it peter mayer male author of where did i come from um again this kind of um these 70s artifacts Here's, a, here's two people going into a ho hotel. Hotel. I mean, this, this is a, it's all what was in the, in the um, atmosphere when this novel was written. Um, so, you know, I guess I could talk about what happens in the novel. I mean, they get serious, this couple, but at the end of the novel, the main character, Catherine, meets another guy at a ski tennis instruct, instructor camp or something named Theo. And guess what? She dumps Michael and goes with Theo. And that's how the novel, in fact, the very last line of the novel is. Um, Theo called, you know, so. And there's a lot of tension. You know, Michael's very, very um, distraught and upset at the turn of events and moving. And there's also a thing with the parents um, the parents in a way kind of engineer this camp in a way to sort of get Catherine away from Michael. And so it's interesting. There's a lot of insight. So it's, you know, Judy Bloom is almost like a, it's weird. She's a, almost writes like a, like a behavioral, like a, um, the, well, the term would be evolutionary psychologist, you know, before that was like a thing, you know, and, and um, understanding parental conflict and parents being, having mixed emotions and, it's just, uh, I, I guess, I mean, there's a lot of things I could say about Judy Bloom, and they would be, I think, rather different than other people's shows on Judy Bloom because other people, certainly people of a different age than myself or who are less objective, would be more interested in, I guess, um, maybe the emotional meaning of Judy Bloom. 
But what I want to say is all the stuff I'm talking about in this show, the um, pro style, the sociological observations of liberal progressive culture in New York, you know, marching for ERA or, or what have you, or our bodies ourselves. Um, all of these things are part are, are part of the same um, are part of the the material that communicates these emotions or even causes these emotions to begin with. Um, and so I really, um, if you haven't read Forever, read it. Um, although I have a feeling that everybody's read it, or maybe I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to know. Um, what time do we have? We have twelve twenty-one. I actually found. Um, on YouTube, there's some footage or there's some uh, splice clips from the movie version from the 70s, made for TV, of course. And so I sort of feel like, you know, I could show some of that, maybe not. Um, but, I, you know, I'd like to close maybe with some, um, some comments in general um, about this book. Um, I sort of feel like, you know, re reading it for the first time, and then I've read a lot of her books, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, um, and thinking about um, the idea of um, prose for use. I, I sort of feel like, um, again, I'm repeating myself, but that's kind of an important um, aspect, I think, of prose. And I sort of feel like, in a way, you know, reading this today, I mean, I don't really have... Oh, before I should have. See, people have different opinions about should and shouldn't in terms of reading reading books. Yeah. Um, well, um, I'm really tempted to play one of these scenes. I mean, this is a scene. Um, what's interesting is, you know, kind of um, adaptation of... Um, a book to movie. Now, these scenes in this movie have absolutely nothing in common with the novel. They the script script writers invented a whole invented a scene between Erica and Catherine that's not in this novel. And it's involved and it's complex. And they talk about all this stuff. And I sort of think, well, the great the screenwriters had something to do. It didn't, you know. And it makes makes you wonder about um Makes you wonder about, I have to move some things around here. Bear with me. Sorry. Makes you wonder. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of a, I didn't know, don't know what I'm doing here. It sort of makes you wonder a lot about art and makes you wonder about different mediums of art and, you know, what's successful or not successful, you know. So I'm going to play two scenes. I'm going to play two scenes, one from, the 1978 Forever, and then one from a totally unrelated movie, but similar, similar um, topic. Here, what have we got? Got a dollar fifty for you. Here we go. This is two girls talking. Thank you so much. <laughs> I have a feeling they're worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass. Oh, come on, Kath. <laughs> you liked Artie a lot, didn't you? Yeah, he's kind of cute. <laughs> he's awfully shy, though. 
didn't even try to kiss me. You don't think I have bad breath, do you? Not usually. Get out of here. Do I really? <laughs> oh, you smell fine. Okay. Yeah, he's probably not attracted to me. Probably thinks I'm too short. Oh, I'm sure that has nothing to do with it. Tell me about Michael. <clears throat> oh. Might be a good idea to get it over with before college. Erica. Are you a virgin? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. <laughs> well, remember that time when I was dating uh, Floyd Howard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one night he got really passionate, you know. <laughs> At one point, he was so serious about it that I started laughing. <laughs> and it, I found out that it was just the wrong thing to do at that time. Mm. So everything just kind of went, you know. It was terrible. So anyway, I, I was just was sort of thinking about it and decided that if I was going to do it, I had to find somebody that had a good sense of humor, you know? I agree. Like Artie. Well, I think he really has a good sense of humor, don't humor. you? I don't know if he takes it serious enough, though. So one of the remarkable things about that clip is the length of it, the time that the, they give the actors. Again, that's a whole, I've talked about this before, the, the artistry of the made-for-TV movies of that era. And, and, you know, like, so there's more lengthy. Um, Judy Bloom isn't lengthy. She's very precise and concise. She's like a formalist in a way, I would say, although she would, if she were here, she probably would shake her head. Why am I being called a formalist? She is. Um, there's a kind of a, um, almost a, um, kind of a, a precision and this is a little more extended it's more it's not just because it's film and television it's not just that you have actors in the bed or on the stage or whatever it's like um it's like a different and so that really that's really one of the themes of our podcast podcast is that there's so many different ways to do things you can be you know it's funny um judy bloom communicates these kind of these kinds of tender emotions and I'm, what I'm saying is that the way she's able to do that is precisely the razor sharp precision of her prose. It's, it's, it, that yields, it's interesting. It's like, you know, it's totally a whole thing. Um, you know, and, and, and this is more kind of a more like 70s, um, well, they're both 70s. This is more like 70s, loopy kind of um, in the moment acting stuff, you know which is very much indulged in that era. And so I think I'm just going to leave it with that, with that, with that, the two, the two girls talking and, and sort of um, forever. And I think I'm, I'm not going to think I'm going to say, say much more. There's a lot. I mean, I don't want to go on forever and I could, and I'm going to make this kind of a brief show and just um, think out loud about some of these matters. We have so many things coming up for our podcast. Um, there's a, a woman named Rosalie Purvis who, is involved in drama and issues of politics and borders and, and all sorts of things. Really exciting. There's a lot going on and a lot coming up. And I hope you guys have a decent week, a good week, a great week. And, um, and uh, thanks for joining me in this admittedly idiosyncratic 
episode about um, a beloved um, novel, um, Forever. And look for that documentary, Judy Bloom Forever, and the Netflix series, um, which should be coming out soon. And maybe we'll talk about them. Thank you.